Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. But what is an alpha female? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She chooses ambition and is proud of it, but strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony. An alpha female puts herself first, sticks to her priorities, but nurtures relationships with all the people in her life. So let's get started. This episode is sponsored by my autoimmune healing guide. So if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that I have talked about a thriving with MS guide for those newly diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I have my building blocks of health guide, and then I created the work-life harmony worksheet. So all are based on very similar principles of taking care of ourselves based on the five health building blocks, which I call them, which are nutrition, supplements, exercise, sleep, stress, and reducing your toxic load. So in the autoimmune healing guide, I've added um, a bit more information for those who are newly diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. It gives you kind of a, a tour of how to take care of yourself and empower you to take care of yourself in a different way than maybe you have before. So it's got book recommendations, podcast recommendations, time management on how to start optimizing different aspects of your life, um, specifically around nutrition, supplements, exercise, sleep management, stress management, and reducing your toxic load, as well as time management tips on how to prioritize and how, how to schedule it out. So if you want to go over to bit.ly autoimmune healing guide to download your free guide today, I would absolutely love that. And if you don't have an autoimmune disease, but you know someone who is newly diagnosed, I would really love if you could share um, this podcast episode with them so that they can download it for themselves. If you're listening to this show, you've been drawn to being inspired on how to create work-life harmony in your life. And by now, you're probably aware that I'm a doTERRA essential oil wellness advocate, but I'm stepping into this role in a much louder way this year. I'm obsessed with essential oils as simple self-care tools in our toolkit. doTERRA is the only company who sources essential oils by finding the best place in the world that the original plant grows through something called co-impact sourcing. They have incomparable transparent testing practices to create therapeutic grade essential oils and they have a heart of gold through their charitable division, Healing Hands. If you haven't had a chance to sample doTERRA essential oils yet, I'd love to send you a few samples. So email me at robinbaldwin at gmail.com and put in the subject, I want oils, so we can start to chat around what your body is currently craving in the self-care department. You're listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, episode 163. All links and show notes can be found over at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we are starting a series on success. So I've had a whole bunch of women just reach out to me to be on the show, and there was a bit of a theme. So I thought I would lump them together in the new topic series all around success. What do people think success actually means to them? You know, I'm all about definition, so I thought this would be super fun to do. So today we start with Lisa Hyde. Lisa Hyde epitomizes today's woman. She's the author of Be Stronger. She is a guide to building confidence. She's an entrepreneur, a beauty, health, and wellness expert, a retail trend spotter, sought after public speaker, and advisor to the next generation of entrepreneurs with the Confidence Crown podcast. Lisa offers hard-won wisdom gleaned from working as a talent agent and manager for 12 years, as well as more than seven years' experience as an independent consultant with North America's number one skincare brand, Rodin and Fields. So I think you're going to like this episode. We definitely go back to the old style of interviewing. I ask way more of the, the former questions that you'd be uh, familiar with from like seasons one through three, but I've definitely found thrown in some new questions around success and what it means to my guests. So I think you're going to love it. We definitely go on some tangents in this episode talking about like dating as an alpha female. Um, you'll have to actually let me know on Instagram if this is maybe a topic series that you'd like to hear about. Um, as you all know, I got married last year, so I'm not in a dating mindset, but I'm sure many of you are dating. And I've had quite a lot of experts like dating coaches, dating tips, 
groups, uh, people that want to talk about dating have reached out to me and I just haven't um, felt drawn to it. But if I get a majority kind of vote saying, yes, 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 please do dating as your next topic series, that would be absolutely amazing. So if you want this, reach out to me on Instagram. Let me know that this is something that would interest you. Otherwise, let's get into the show. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on, Robin. I'm so excited to get chatting with you. I knew the moment I read a little bit more about you that you were definitely an alpha female, so I had to have you on. Um, I sent over the definition of what it kind of the what it stands for today, based on my writing and uh, my podcast guests actually have uh, evolved the definition over the years. So, what did you think of the definition? And how do you see yourself as one? I actually love it. And not knowing of it beforehand, when I read it, I was like, whoa, she knows me. We haven't even met before. (laughs) I feel like this is how I've described myself for years without actually using that title. So thank you so much for giving me a new definition. This is great. And one that is usually seen in a negative way, but we're owning in a positive way. Hell yeah. No, no, this is great. Um, And this is definitely the person I've always been. So thank you very much. (laughs) Cool. Um, So how do you see yourself as one um, other than the definition? Like what makes you an alpha female? Well, you know, I'm one of those people who has always wanted to work and owned her work, no matter which um, career I was in. Um, And I think it always was the priority to me to just kind of be the boss. Um, I I remember that as a child, um, I always wanted to be the boss. I never wanted to work for anyone. And I feel like I've always been also the caretaker in every relationship. I've always been in charge of that as well. So these are things that instinctively have come to me, um, from childhood. I don't, I don't know myself to be any other way. Um, but I'm often told from those looking on the outside in that, these are not always positive things for a woman to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, what? This is great. I love my life. So <laughs> I'm looking at this definition. I'm like, this is so me. I absolutely love seeing this in print. But I will say it's probably one of those things I've been told that I intimidate men since I was very young, a teenager. Um, uh, people don't like that I'm so independent. They, th- they think it's a little off-putting that I can, that I'm a strong female and that I don't need anyone else to take care of me. And I've always said, Hey, if the right guy comes along, it would be icing. I would love it. (laughs) But it just has never been that way. I've had wonderful relationships, but I've always been the alpha. So it's actually quite interesting to read this. Yeah. Have you ever been told like why you intimidate men? Is it like based on all the things that you do or how you speak or your confidence? Can you like pinpoint confidence. it? Confidence. It's definitely confidence. Um, I've also been told by someone who's very spiritual. Um, wait, he told me last year. Oh, that I'm just more, I have more male energy than female energy. And yet I'm very feminine looking. Like I think of myself as being a very girly girl. Um, but that I guess it is on the confidence side that because again, I run my own business, I do my own thing. I own my own house. Like I'm very much in charge of my life. Um, and I'm not looking for a man to save me that I, that they find that intimidating and, or that I'm, but my much more male energy. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's interesting. It's all very interesting. So that's really cool. At the time of this recording, um, I've just announced, so we're recording this May 21st. I just announced last week that the next topic series, because in 2019, I'm doing these series and I did Ayurveda in April and May, I'm just starting masculine and feminine energy. Um, and then you're in the success series. So by the time this airs, all of the episodes will have gone. So, uh, it's fascinating because I've just been diving into chatting, about masculine and feminine energy because it's built into the definition. Like alpha is the male energy or masculine energy and female is the feminine energy and it doesn't always relate to gender. Um, So that's been really cool to uh, deep dive into. Uh, But what you said about like intimidating men, I remember when I was single and I was dating, I remember going out on like first date after first date and I always got the feedback like you do too much. Like, I, I can't keep up with you. Uh, when are you going to have time for me? 
Um, because I am very much in my masculine energy and I needed to find someone who was more in his feminine energy who could actually like create space. Actually, my husband holds space for me, which is a masculine energy quality. But it was so interesting that over and over again, guys were like, no, you do too much. Like, and I was just like, I don't understand like why that's intimidating. Shouldn't that be like a check mark on the list? <laughs> I know I'm not this needy girl that you've got to save. It's very interesting, but I think that goes back to, I don't know if it's just society stereotypes, but I, I don't know if it's just the stereotypes. It's funny. We were talking about this earlier. I have had wonderful relationships with men, but I do tend to be the caretaker. And I had to draw a line at a certain point. I'm like, I'm done taking care of the men in my life. I really need an equal or someone who will make space for me to be me and not have to be fixing or correcting or caretaking. And I find it really, really interesting that I, I am all of five one, that since I was a teenager, men have told me I intimidate them. I've never, like, I find it really, really amusing. Um, but as I've gotten older, it's the younger men now who have no problem with me in my career, in my independence, in my availability, or sometimes lack thereof. They love it. Yeah. My husband's so, six years younger than me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No. <laughs> um, yeah. The, um, the other thing is, and so I would probably have to become, uh, like an anthropology major to understand this, but there's gotta be this whole damsel in distress, you, you know, like we've just been, we've just been taught that men are supposed to take care of women. So, uh, whether that's generational kind of wisdom that has been like passed down the ages and, um, guys from a certain generation are like, but I don't understand. Like my grandfather and my father always took care of their wife. So I don't understand how to show up in a relationship where I'm not just taking care of you, where it's an equal partnership. Um, and maybe the younger generations are figuring that out so much, so much faster. I think they find it really attractive because you're not needy. <laughs> and that tends to be something that you are in your twenties when you're still kind of figuring out who you are, you know, you don't always have the confidence in everything, every aspect of your life. But I do think it is a societal thing because I will say, and many of my relationships have ended because I'm, I've out earned them and they don't know what to do with that. And I've never asked for anyone to, again, like take care of me again, icing if that ever happened. <laughs> um, but they're, they, that masculine energy for them tends to, they, it starts to fade for them because they don't feel like they are like the man, the breadwinner, the, the guy. And it's like, wow, I've never asked you to do any of that. Like it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's definitely their own beliefs that come through. You're, um, you're inspiring me for like the next topic series after this one is maybe on like dating alpha women. Cause I have a lot of, I have a lot of, I have a lot of guests that, um, actually ask if they can come on and do shows. And I have not said like, I will accept like the dating kind of practitioners because I'm not at that place in my life, but you're inspiring me to maybe do the next series on, on dating oh, alpha I've females. Got lots of stories <laughs> for you. I will say the guys are getting younger and bolder. It's very, very, I'm telling you, I'm invisible to men my age. Um, but those 10 and 20 years younger than me are like uh, on fire and they can't, they, they don't lack any um, confidence or fear. Like they are just bold and excited and they want to find you, please you take care. Like it's such a crazy, like flipping of the switch. I've never, and it's more than ever. I'm like, Oh, all right. I, you know, it's great for the ego. Um, I mean, not great long-term, but the men, my age, again, they don't know what to do with me. They're wounded. They're wounded. You know, they've come out of multiple relationships. They're probably married and divorced and they just don't, they aren't in their best masculine energy. So it's, it's definitely tough. Yeah. So for those that are listening to this episode, go back and listen to the episode with Betsy Milne, where we talk about wounded and toxic masculine and feminine energy. <laughs> yeah. 
I can talk about it all day. <laughs> okay, so let's get into um, more of the ways that you take care of yourself. So we've read in your bio, you know, that you're a health and wellness expert, that you're sought after public speaker, and you host your own podcast. So tell us what work-life harmony looks like for you, and how do you kind of structure your days? Excellent question. And, you know, I think it's an ever-evolving um, practice because things become of interest and you want to make time for them. But I put my health and wellness first because I lost the two people closest to me um, from cancer. And my mom and my grandmother both had very rare cancers and I was their caregiver. And after that, um, I decided to put my health first. So my day, my life, my career revolves around my mornings are for me. And they start with meditation or journaling, setting intentions, um, stretching, sometimes yoga, but just sometimes just stretching, just getting the blood flow going um, and then going to work out, um, trying not to be on my phone in the first hour of every day, um, trying to actually keep that first hour quiet and to me. And that helps actually set me up for a much more successful day in the end. And I'm not actually like putting out fires every day. I'm actually sticking to my practice of hitting those three top things that I want to, you know, deal with for the day. But it it's a practice. It took me a while to kind of figure out my groove um, and actually talk about it in my new book. Uh, but and it's something that I've just, I've had to figure out what worked for me over the years. It might not be for everybody. Not everyone has the schedule that I have. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely very, very grateful for this, but I couldn't live my life any other way now. Now that I now that I know what it's like, I, this is what I. So, how do you stru structure your work hours? Do you have a certain set each day, or do you kind of let it flow in and out based on what you want to do or your three top goals? So, I have I use time blocking. I find that to be really, really efficient and effective for me because every day is different. Um, I use sorry, Tuesdays and Thursdays to do podcast recordings. So, Monday, Wednesday, Friday are more um, in person meetings, or if I that's where I have events, um, or it's just me actually creating and working. So, I just have to use time blocks. And um, I'd say after the gym, probably a bite to eat. And then I probably for a couple of hours will work on something specific then move over to something else, but trying to keep things in sets so that I'm doing it like every 50 minutes, um, on one subject, because it is so easy to get distracted. Um, uh, emails, text messages, you know, social media, like there are like fires around me all day long. And I have to figure out which ones are a priority to put out, but I have to do my income producing work first before I can be of service to anyone else. Yeah. Sounds cool. I love that you want to have theme days, also time block. Um, and then it allows you to kind of shift. So if you know, you, yeah, you have four priorities on Monday, what can you move around so that those four priorities get done? Um, and maybe it's two priorities on Wednesday instead. So I kind of like that. It sounds like you, you know, what gets scheduled gets done, but that you can also kind of flow in between the days. Totally. Because again, something else is always coming up, right? Somebody else needs help with something. You've got to move over or just life, you know, things change. You don't feel good one day or you decide, Hey, this is a great day for a spa day. And you want to, you need to be able to be flexible too. I mean, that's, that is the nice thing about working for yourself is I can take a Thursday if there aren't podcasts scheduled and I can go do my thing. And I don't feel guilty about it because that's, I've already blocked that time for something that has to do with me. So now I'm just switching what it is. So yeah, no, it's fantastic. I love that. So, um, we read in your bio that you worked as a talent agent and manager for 12 years. Um, what, so my next question I always ask, and I kind of can guess based on the bio, but tell me if I'm off. I always ask, like, was there ever a time when you thought work and life have to be balanced and you felt things were out of whack and you were like, nope, this is not okay. I need to change things. Is that why you left that position? You know, interesting. I grew up in the entertainment industry. Um, I knew I was going to be an agent when I was five. My father and grandfather had been agents. We actually all worked at the same agency in different decades. Um, yeah, I'm third generation in Los Angeles, third generation in entertainment. I'm, I'm definitely rare. Um, and I almost didn't know better. You know, <laughs> it's what I thought I wanted. Um, and I did love it. Um, I actually loved being a manager more than an agent. It gives you a lot more flexibility, um, a lot more caregiving time. 
which I was a great caregiver. Um, and I'm taking care of, you know, many types of personalities, writers, actors, musicians, comedians, and everyone's got a problem. So, you know, there's lots to do, lots to keep you busy. Um, but unfortunately it was because my mom became ill. I closed my management company to take care of her because that was my priority. Not cool that your mom became ill, but that it wasn't like, it wasn't the fact that like the stress was built up or there was stress. There, um, there was stress, um, at the agency world, even more than anything else. Um, and that's, I think why I realized I didn't want to be an agent in the end. Um, it's very much, um, it's very high paced, um, very similar to working like maybe the stock market where it's, everything's very timed and quick. And if you're not earning, you're out. So it's very boop, 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 boop. Um, so that is stressful. And I remember like I lost my bangs, my hair just was falling out. Um, so I've definitely, okay. So your body was quitting on you. My body, but that, but that was in my twenties. And then I switched into production for a few months. It was too slow and boring. And then I became a manager. So I like the pace it's, there's, seasons in this industry. And that one, um, it's funny as an agent, I was all about actors and movies and film. And then as a manager, you learn all about television and what's called pilot season. And all of a sudden TV became like the greatest thing in the world to have clients on TV. Um, and pilot season is this manic, crazy few months of casting and it is 24 seven for three, four months solid. Uh, you don't even know what end is up. Um, when you're not on that pace either, you also don't know what to do with yourself. You're like, Oh my God, I have too much time on my hands. So it's a love hate. Um, I still have one toe in the industry. Um, I have a film that I own the rights to that I'm remaking, but thank God it's not my priority because it just doesn't work for me the same way. And while I miss some of some elements of it, I don't miss the 24 seven. I don't miss that. Um, knowing what, knowing what you know now about self-care and health and taking care of yourself, do you think you could still be in the industry and apply all of this, like all of the healthcare self-care? It would be so hard because you are at the beck and call of so many people. Um, your time is really not your own and you have to be very established to create that time. So when I had my own business, I had my own management company. I worked out of my home. I too got to have my mornings for myself. That's when I would get my physical activity in. Um, and actually, I think when I started learning about meditation even, and because I needed to find stress relievers. Um, but if I was working for a company or in an agency, uh, there's, you have no life. So I'm used to that pace. I'm used to that lifestyle. So you asked about the work-life balance. Um, that's something I think I still practice because I know how to work. Do I always have a personal life that I love? No. Um, because I haven't found the right person to be able to handle my energy and need. And I like to work. I like what I do. I like helping people. Serving others is what gives me joy. So it is this fine line. Um, but when there is the right person in my life, I do adjust my schedule. Yeah. And life doesn't mean family or partner. It means like doing the things outside of your business that let you up. And, you know, if it's only 10% of your day, uh, but that feels really good to you, then that's why I kind of built it into the definition that you choose your priorities and you run with them and then you just unapologetically stick to them. Totally. No, my schedule is mine and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us what you're most passionate about. Oh, I think I just said it. I love serving people. I've again, innately have done this my whole life. I've taken in strays. I fixed my friends. I fixed my mom. I mean, like my parents got divorced when I was a child. So there was always this dynamic about, um, being the adult very young and helping my mom. Um, she and I were best friends, but there was something about, you know, her pain and my strength. And that was something that we always had. And I, I, it's funny. I, I don't know how not to help people. I mean, I sometimes like, will have to like consciously be like, okay, I need to get myself out of this situation because I'm putting too much of my own energy. I'm a very empathetic, intuitive person. So it's, it's something I have to make a conscious effort not to get sucked in sometimes. So um, but I love it. It also brings me in tremendous joy when I know that I'm actually helping someone. 
So it's that like wiggle room of finding, you know, what's right. Um, I have a dog who I absolutely adore. And, you know, when we're outside on a hike, out like being at the beach, like one with nature, I am so happy. Um, I just, it's that balance. Again, I love what I do, but I also need some really quality downtime. Yeah. So it sounds like you're a professional, professional problem solver. Yes. <laughs> Knowledge builder and Yes. Yeah. And that's so like the whole, the whole nurturing and taking care of people and fixing people's problems. Um, I can see that in pretty much any alpha female that, um, is overachieving. Cause we also want to find worthiness in our work. Um, and so often that is being of service to others. Um, but knowing when, you know, we're giving too much of ourselves. And especially if alpha females who are empaths are, um, I would say like probably 50, 50, but they, you wouldn't know that about them because they are so confident and so outspoken that they don't always show their, um, empath ways of feeding off of people's energy. Um, and that's when, um, boundaries really come in. So, uh, Yeah, I think you had said something earlier. And I was like, okay, so how do you create like you create your schedule? um, You've, you've time blocked and all that. But to do all that, that is a boundary conversation. So how, uh, like, do you have rules for yourself? Or is it kind of ad hoc, and you're discovering what you need to do for yourself? And it changes like this boundary no longer serves me, I'm changing it to this. How do you set them? I I would say that's, uh, yes. <laughs> yes to all of that. Um, boundaries are definitely something that are, it's imperative that I keep them in check. Um, but they do fluctuate. They do change. Um, I spent God, like three months, two and a half months, three months, like writing a book. Um, so I had to say no to a lot of things that I normally say yes to. Um, and you know, the guilt of like saying no to people is one thing. Um, but knowing that again, it was going to create something better in the end, um, was worth that, that line. But like I said before, there are some people who just are energy suckers as well. Um, so again, part of me loving to serve and then also drawing a line with people who just take too much. Um, so, so learning those boundaries as well. And that's been in personal relationships or intimate relationships. And it's also been just friends. Um, I've had the luxury of having, you know, some friends for 20 plus years and, um, you know, that dynamic has always been that way. So not like I can say tomorrow, Hey, we can't have that conversation anymore. Um, but I can learn, you know, with newer acquaintances that maybe I don't go down that road with them either, but it's funny. Somebody, one of my very closest friends was just talking about, um, how she was like looking around the room at some of my closest girlfriends. And she was like, it's like the land of misfit toys. (laughs) Like, like everyone was going through something. There's been a lot of divorces lately and career changes and like life changes that are happening in, um, my group. And she's like, and you're fixing all of us. And I'm like, but you know, I care about all of you and you're all going through something that's, you know, big. Um, when am I going to turn my back on people? No, I love it. Um, and she's like, but I guess you're learning from us as well. I'm like, Oh, hell yeah. This is like beta testing at its best. I'm, you know, you know what I can do, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm actually being able to give advice that is helping someone and they're able to feel relief from pain that they're going through, then it was all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, how do you tell her? You're like, no, really, you're just a really great, like new target market. (laughs) We talked about it. I I said, well, it's not like I charge you guys. Uh, That's interesting. And uh, I don't know what the word is, but like the fact that she described a group of people that are going, going through some, some, something like I'm doing air quotes. Cause it's like, how does that make you a misfit? Like, not going through something makes you normal and fitting in like that's kind of hard to wrap my head around that that's like the immediate assumption that someone going through pain is a misfit you know what I mean no I think it was just kind of an evening where there was a lot of crying and sharing of some very difficult problems um yeah and I was the only one you know I I cry with them but I was the only one not crying myself 
So it's like, and it, I think it's some childhood. Um, it's like, I think it's a Christmas movie or something, but I, it was, it was a very funny way to describe what we, what was happening. Um, which, you know, she turned around and was like, who's taking care of you? And I'm like, uh, but me being here with you guys does take care of me. So, you know, it's that, that again, that give and take. Um, but it's, but it's always been that way. I, again, I, I've been doing this since I was a kid, people coming to me for advice. How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get up? I don't know. I just, let me, this is my gut is telling me or my experience has me for this to be true. Actually, sorry, Misfit Toys is totally appropriate. I had to, <laughs> I had to Google it. And literally, uh, uh, it's actually says the misfit toys are all dealing with low self-esteem issues or psychological problems. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, creating the confidence crown, creating this whole, um, guide to building confidence in this, this book that I've been working on, I, I, you know, in a sense, I am like retelling the stories of those around me because this is what I'm helping people work on, um, is building their confidence. So yeah, I thought I actually thought it was a really amusing catchphrase. I mean, I think it's an inside joke, but yeah, no, it's it, it and it was not a bad thing. Um, but it just so happens my my tribe is going through something right now, and it's um and I'm there to help. That's cool. So uh, you're in, you're part of the success kind of conversation because I have always been curious whenever someone asks like, what does success mean to you? It my answer literally changes on the daily. So I would love to kind of get into one, what does success mean to you? And then two, what are some habits that you have that create success based on your definition? Well, I think it goes back to owning my own schedule. Um, I mean, the short and sweet would be time and financial freedom. I mean, I really do come and go as I wish. Um, I you know, if I want something, I can go after it and get it. So to me, that's success. I, I again, I don't have to, I, I don't have to plan for it. Uh, I mean, I don't want to also, I'm not like rolling in the Benjamin, you know, like life is good. Like I've worked hard. I've, a, I've achieved like a really awesome place and space to be in. And, um, it allows me to, again, give where I can, um, and to do what I want when I want the fact that I get to keep my own schedule. That's huge. I've been doing this now for eight years. Like I haven't had a boss in a long time. And that is, that's to me, a tremendous, to me, that's a term of success that I'm doing my thing. Now, do you then like give even more parameters around like, I want time freedom so that I only work three hours a day. Like, is that something that you do? Or is it more just like the general sense? So like you said, coming and going thing, I will say over those eight years, those numbers have changed. And that feeling has changed. Whatever's happening right now, I'm in this period of creation, like I'm just in this creative flow. So I feel like I'm actually working more than I've had in years. Um, so <laughs> I still have the time freedom, but I'm probably putting in more hours than I normally would. Will I go back to, you know, the, what is it? The, the four hour work week? Um, when, yeah, I will get there. Um, but I'm also, you know, I'm okay with a few hours a day. It's, it's really interesting. Um, but there are some days I work, you know, till very, very late at night and up early the next morning. It just depends on what's happening. Um, but to have that flexibility for me to make, for it to be my decision, that's also kind of key. Now within the time and financial freedom bucket is sometimes the ability to work anywhere in the world. So being, being your own boss allows you to do that. Was that something you set out to do as well? Or was it more like you just didn't want to answer to anyone? Um, a little of both. Um, it's funny. <laughs> I could work wherever I want. I actually like where I live. So it's, it's actually hard for me to choose another location. Like you like having a home base. Yeah. I love, I love, I, I live in an area of Los Angeles called Brentwood and I absolutely love it. <laughs> um, I, the only other place I'd probably want to live would be Malibu. Um, so my, my, my always joke like, okay, so I'll be moving from here to Malibu. Um, I don't know if I really want to live anywhere else, but I like to be able to get up and travel and I can do my work from anywhere. So that 
as I continue to grow, um, that continues to be a truth, which is something that I really love. Um, I just cannot pick a dang destination. That's been the hardest thing for me. That's awesome. Well, if, um, is it appropriate also to say that you maybe like, like control over your schedule over what things look like. And when you travel and work, you can't always control the situation. Um, that's true. That's fair. I mean, I always, it's funny because places, of course, that I want to go travel probably won't have the best Wi-Fi. So I do have to think about timing wise. Like if I go there, I got to know that I'm not going to really be on, uh, that, you know, there's someone else is going to have to be operating <laughs> a lot of things in place. So finding quality help is actually something I'm also working on right now. Um, seem to have a tough time getting people who really want to work <laughs> to stay around. Um, so I think that delegating of, um, tasks and things that I consider busy work. Um, it's actually, that's something I'm focused on right now. Have you hired before? Or is this like the first time you're high? You have. Okay. Yes. I've had very, very interesting experiences lately. I, it's funny way back when, no problem. Um, there was even the five years when my mom was sick that I was managing retail stores and I hired tons of staff. Very, very interesting when you're asking someone to come work for you for your own brand. It's, there's a dynamic, you know, they have to understand and they also have to be flexible in wanting to uphold your brand. All right. It's, it's this, this is something I'm learning right now, um, that I didn't think would be such a task. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't really had this conversation with any alpha field, uh, alpha female entrepreneurs on the show in terms of, um, I think I get a lot that are in the solopreneur phase and haven't yet got to the hiring phase. And I can only imagine if I had these conversations, it would be just like, uh, like taking the time to actually onboard someone and learn, uh, teaching them, training them on all the systems. And then, and then they disappear and then like letting them go delegating and then being like, Oh, well, I just spent all of that time. It's the same. And like, it's corporate principles, you know, like taking, taking the time to interview and hire and onboard, and then they don't stay around or they're not the person that you, um, you assumed. And in the corporate world, you have like a three month probationary period. You don't always have that in like the entrepreneurial world. You're like, no, I need you to figure this out now in month one, not month three. <laughs> Absolutely. Or at least make the effort. It, so there's this weird dynamic. So again, I've, I've been around, I've had many different businesses, some that I've owned, some that I've worked for. Um, but I've always also helped or upheld a standard. I think I've never turned in work that wasn't double checked. Like I would be mortified if someone turned back, like handed back the work that I have with all these spelling mistakes or improper grammar. I, I mean, like I, I, and there's, they have no fear. Like they don't care. They just here. I'm like, but it's not done. It's not right. <laughs> like, but, so I'm not only teaching them how to do it, I'm having to proof it and then rewrite it myself and then pay them to do it. I'm like, wait, something about this isn't right. Um, so it's, I, I've actually found it very challenging, um, in this past year to find people who one want to work, <laughs> actually do the work and, um, have follow through. It's, it's, quite baffling to me. Like you said, you get them trained, they're ready to go. Um, they want to do like one part of it, but they don't want to do the grunt work part of it. I'm like, but I really need you. Like, I really need you to file and organize and like make sure like everything runs smoothly. Like there, there's a part of it that's not pretty, but, um, you can't just do, you know, social media part. Like it, there's another aspect. So are you hiring a certain age group? Well, I was, like, I don't want to shit on millennials, but <laughs> I, nor do I. And, you know, props to those who actually get out of their own way. But that was definitely, um, a big learning curve and a mistake on my part. Um, because the energy and the hunger appears to be there. They can talk a good game, but the follow through is horrific and they just want to be paid. And you're like, well, you haven't done anything. I'm like, hang on, hang on a second. There's gotta be a pod podcast on this subject, hiring out help. Well, if not, we can do it, Robin, because I, I have horror stories. I mean, I can't even, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And they talk such a good game. Like, but I've been doing this for what, six months? Like, you, you're not a professional. 
you know, you might have experience. You might be, you might come to the table with some great ideas and again, hunger and drive are a huge part of it. And I appreciate that, but you have to have the follow through. You have to have, you have to care about the work you turn in. That is lacking. And that's scary. I think there's so many people that are hungry to get where they want to go. Um, but because of the online entrepreneurial world, and I think a lot of people are promising short timelines, they think and expect to, you know, work for someone for six months, gain all the experience that they need to then go out on their own without realizing that if you, you know, take a step back and look like I still work in the corporate world. And if you were to get a corporate job, you can't climb the ladder within a short amount of time. Like you have to put in pay your dues. due diligence. Yeah. You have to pay your dues. You have to learn. You have to be hungry to learn. Um, take, you know, take all of the steps to show your managers that you are valuable. And then, you know, that helps you one, climb the ladder faster Two, actually learn the skills that you need to survive, you know, going to another job or going out on your own. Um, but yeah, I guess the, I, I hear it all the time. It's the pay your dues kind of mentality that just doesn't exist in potentially a younger generation. They look at Instagram as an influencers and they, you know, that's all that they're focused on. Well, you know, they're in the Maldives and they're 25 and they're working, you know, they're working from their laptop. Um, maybe, maybe not, you know, it's like, a lot of this is fantasy guys. Like this is not all real. Um, but if you don't have a good foundation, nothing's going to stick. So like you said, they just, they don't want to pay their dues. I come from the do paying society. My first job out of college, I went straight into the agency and I worked in the mailroom. There is not a lower rung possible in society. You are abused and you are worked to death. Um, and for a whopping $300 a week, So, you know, I, so I don't have the sympathy for someone who's doing, done something for six months and, you know, they want to be called an influencer. So I'm like, hang on, (laughs) hang on a second. There's a few more steps between, you know, where you started and where you're going. And again, don't, I don't want to ever, ever stifle anyone's drive. I think that that is so, so important, but you got to have a foundation. Yeah. I think what's really important. And, um, I've held many different corporate jobs where I have managed teams I've hired. Um, and one of the things that I look for over and over again, um, and sometimes I ask the question, I don't always ask the question, but sometimes I do, if I'm on the fence of whether or not they are willing to do kind of like grunt work in addition to like fancy marketing stuff is I'll ask them like, what happens if you were to go to the kitchen and the sink was full of dishes? Would you walk, would you walk back to your desk or would you put them in the dishwasher? And I, and I love the person who was like, uh, well, if I'm not on a deadline, like I'll put it in the dishwasher. Cause it's like, do we all just pitch in? Um, and I'm like, yeah, it's like having that mentality that nothing is below you. Um, so like figuring out how to ask that as you're interviewing someone, I think is, uh, may, may serve people really well as they're hiring is trying to figure out if that person is like willing to do the grunt work. Excellent question. I love it. And I will, I will use that on my next interview <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's true. It's true. It's it, it. And most of the time you get that cross. I look like, well, isn't someone else going to take care of that? Yeah. No, honey, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> I still load the dishwasher sometimes at the office. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I load it, unload it. It's crazy. <laughs> okay. So other than like the morning routine that you have, is there any other kind of success habits that you weave into your day or your week um, that are allowing you to be where you're at in terms of success? Yes, ma'am. Um, I am addicted to personal development. <laughs> Um, I listen to audible books, um, all the time daily. If I'm not on a phone call while I'm walking my dog, I'm listening to an audible. Mm. What are you listening to right now? (sighs) Such a great question. Um, it's so funny. I think I have three books open right now, which is not my norm. I'm usually doing one at a time, but 
my class, my classes are crossing. So I am a coach, but I love to be coached. So, um, I'm actually, I'm doing a program with Brendan Bouchard and I'm doing a program with Tony Robbins and I'm listening to Rachel Hollis right now. Girl, stop apologizing or girl, wash your face. Girl, stop apologizing. Yeah, Sorry. The new one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The new one, which oddly, as I'm laughing, um, <laughs> Well, funny story for people who want to understand success and failure all come in the same package. Um, Rachel and I launched our new books on the same day. Oh, cool. <laughs> yes. Cool. I had pre-ordered hers, not paying any attention to the date um, and found out that that was the day that I was launching my first book. And boy, that was a day that will go down in infamy as never getting past go. <laughs> You're like, not the right day. Yeah. Not the right day at all. But happily happily listening to her and being like, we talk about a lot of the same things. So that was a good thing. <laughs> so what's your book called? Let's give you some plugs. No, it's funny that I, I laugh because I'm listening to it. And I'm I, every time I turn it on, I'm like, oh, the same day. It has to be the same day. No, but seriously, what's your book called? <laughs> it is called B hashtag strong her a guide to building confidence. Oh, I love it. Thank you. That's so cool. So what would you give um, like, sorry, what advice would you give or what would you say to a young 20 something alpha female, um, uh, to help her build confidence? One, trust your gut. Um, I think as an alpha female, you really do have a great radar. It's in there. It's built in you, you know, right and wrong. You know that your gut is leading you to the right place. You just have to listen to it. But part two of that is if you're coming in with some limiting beliefs that you have been hanging on to from childhood and you're still questioning something like that made you cry on the playground, address it. Personal development, <laughs> personal, because it will only make you stronger and better and faster. Um, you know, it's something that I put off, I think, until eight years ago. I didn't even really acknowledge that I needed that in my life. Well, I don't think we come to personal development until we have hit like some sort of rock bottom or major life event. Um, cause I remember in my twenties, like self-help section, like I don't need any help. Thanks, but no, no. thanks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Tony Robbins was a client when I started at the agency and I thought he was crazy. I was like, get me away from him. You know, now I'm paying to work with him. <laughs> He's still kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, 100%, 100%. But I so appreciate all those messages that he was giving me then and now that I just couldn't acknowledge in my 20s. Yeah. Sometimes it's like the messages need to hit your subconscious a few times until it's like, oh, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But that, yeah, that was, it was really amusing. I just remember this giant man in front of me, I'm being like, oh my God, you're overwhelming. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's been so lovely chatting with you. Um, I just want to be cognizant of our listeners time. So let's wrap up with the last two questions. Um, we'll start with how do people connect with you um, after this show if they have jived with your message? Oh, that's so sweet, Robin. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the confidence crown. And you can also find me on my website at the confidence crown. I keep it simple. Very cool. And, um, my favorite last question of the show is please tell us what is your definition of happiness? Besides the life that I'm already living, being on a beach. So simple. <laughs> Truly. I, there is something about the ocean, particularly a tropical ocean, but the ocean. I'm like, you do live near the ocean. I do. Li I live 20 blocks in the ocean, but when you live on the water or when you're at the water, there is something that changes. Like I go there to get centered. Like, that's where I go to get grounded. So, um, just walking to the beach, putting my feet in the sand, smelling the salt water. It serves so much for me. It is amazing. So for me, that happy place is the ocean. So I think of the beach, I think of the ocean as a place for me to always, it's, that to me is happy. Like that is when I say I will end up in Malibu because I want to be looking at the water every day. Mm, I love it. Or Hawaii. That'll be fine too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. You are so welcome, Robin. Thank you for having me. So after three years of recording the Alpha Female podcast, 
I did a thing. I created a Patreon page. So over the sabbatical from January to March, I started listening to the Sick Boy podcast. And they have the best way of telling their listeners to go support them on Patreon. And I, re- I realized after listening to them that there's no reason why I can't ask for your support. So hosting a podcast, putting a podcast out there can be expensive. If I were to total up all the expenses for the past three years, I would probably gulp looking at the total amount because hosting the podcast on Libsyn and using a podcast editor, those costs add up. So I am kindly asking you if you would support me by pledging to become a Patreon supporter of the Alpha Female Podcast. So you head over to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Alpha Female Podcast. And there's different pledge areas or tiers. So you can pledge as little as $1 a month, as little as $3 a month. I've got a $5 one and a $10 one. So pledging $1 a month gets you access to our Alpha Female Pack Facebook group. If you pledge $3 a month, you'll get access to the Alpha Female Pack, a shout out on the show, and I would love to send you a doTERRA essential oil sample of your choice. So you get to pick from my entire collection what you'd like to try, and I'll send it over to you in the mail. If you pledge over $5 or more a month, I've got some pretty cool um, incentives. So you'll have to go and check out the page. And then especially for the $10, um, just check it out and let me know if those incentives make sense to you. This is my first time doing this. So I'd love to learn from you. If you even have your own Patreon page, let me know what um, type of edits you may want to see. And we'll go from there. So let's see how this works. Please support the show. I would very much appreciate it. For the listeners of the Alpha Female Podcast, Audible is now offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. There's some amazing books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero or The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash alpha. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash alpha for your free audiobook. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. It's the most popular mushroom product on the market, and I've actually been drinking their Shaga tea even before they sponsored the Tim Ferriss podcast. So I figured it was about time I got you guys a beautiful discount so you can snag your own mushroom coffee, tea, or hot cacao mix. I'm obsessed with the Shaga mushroom tea. I drink it in the afternoon for a really high dose of antioxidants. And then the hot cacao mix with reishi mushrooms is my favorite for an evening treat if I have a sweet tooth craving. So use the promo code alphafemale at checkout for 10% off and you can shop on their website at foursigmatic.com. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back if you would be so kind to open your podcast up of choice. Go do it now before changing to the next episode and just leave me a rating and review. It'll help other alpha females find this podcast and join in on the conversations. You can find more of me at robinbaldwin.com and join us next week for another inspiring chat. Have a spectacular day.